Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the Internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Jim Chapman, executive producer of Real Life, Real Crime, and co-host of Bloody Angola. This week, we are doing an episode swap. We're going to play an episode that was very, very popular on Bloody Angola called The Black Rhino. We're doing this as we prepare for a new season of Bloody Angola, co-hosted by Jim Chapman and Woody Everton. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Real Life, Real Crime. But until then... 
We hope you enjoy The Black Rhino. I walk a straight line Shackled and chained Oh, gruesome Gertie Is calling my name There is no mercy In this penitentiary Just ask the Hill String Gang Wrangle the three Welcome to another edition of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. Welcome y'all back to another episode of Bloody Angola. And we appreciate you listening and liking, subscribing, and all that good stuff. We want to thank our Patreon members who are... Very instrumental in the show. Y'all stay tuned at the end of the show, and we're, we're going to talk about that some more. But, Jim, today we got something. We always said it would be different, right? And today yeah. this is a very, very interesting story, which I do have a lot of personal connection with. But I think we can title this one The Black Rhino. The Black Rhino, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I knew the Black Rhino when he was becoming the Black Rhino. This guy's name is Clifford Etienne, and that's y'all for you not from South Louisiana. It's E T I E N N E. Um, Clifford Etienne grew up in New Iberia, Louisiana, home of Tabasco. Uh, yeah. uh, we call it affectionately the Berry. If you're from South Louisiana, they just call it the Berry. I got a fraternity brothers from down there, and Bobby Bodin. If you if you listen, and shout out probation parole, state of Louisiana. But there's not much out there either. No, it's, it's it's the Tabasco plain right. if you're going to New yeah, Iberia. It's pretty grown, much, it's grown up a lot over the years. But back then, uh, and specifically in this time frame that I'm going to be talking about, um, Clifford Etienne was coming up, and he was truly basically a stud. Yeah. Yeah, he, he dominated in wrestling. He played baseball. Linebacker in football. Track and field. He threw the disc in the shot. Six foot two, 290 pounds. Big boy. And was recruited by LSU, Nebraska, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, which to, these to, days are dominant, but back in those days right, were really extremely dominant. dominant. And, and re- recruited as a linebacker. Yep. And, and he just was a stud stud. Um but, you know, 
sometimes life happens and mm. people try cocaine or different things and they hang with the wrong crowd. And that's what Clifford started to do. And he could have had the world as his oyster and he would in later years. And it seems like history repeats itself, unfortunately. But back then, on a certain day in Lafayette, Louisiana, when Clifford was a young man. Yeah, he was 18. He, uh, as most 18-year-olds do, he, you know, was getting away with what he could. Right. And him and four friends decided it would be a good idea to rob some customers at a shopping mall in Lafayette. Yeah, it was the only shopping mall in Lafayette. <laughs> the, uh and that was in 1988, right? Right. And so I was there in 1989. Uh, and when USL was USL, now it's ULL. Uh, go, go Cajuns. Yes. But the they they robbed some people, and ultimately he got busted. Yeah, he got sentenced to 40 years. And yeah. uh, he first stint was Bloody Angola. That was yeah, where he right. first went. And in 40 years, y'all, would have been the minimum on uh, armed robbery. It, it carries up to 99 years in the state of Louisiana. So he's, I think he was like 18. He was. Yeah, he's 18 years old. He gets sentenced, and they ship him to Bloody Angola. That's right. And eventually, after a few transfers, he ends up at DCI. That's Dixon Correctional Institute, y'all. And that's where I would come to know him. Um what happened was I was working the working cell block, in which I've heard me talk about before. The It's different than admin seg because there's two men to a cell. But working cell block is where you, you only get sent for major rule violations and basically for street charges, whether you're smuggling dope, you attack an officer, um, you rape somebody, or you fight with weapons. Now, I had two tiers of the working cell block that I ran, and I can remember distinctly Clifford Etienne was in a cell with a, with a guy from Livingston Parish, a, a white guy from Livingston Parish. Now, Clifford Etienne is a black man, and they were in the next to the last cell at the end of uh, the tier. And the tier only had cells on one side. Y'all faced the screen windows. They had a couple black and white TVs down the tier. But I would um, stop and, and talk to them all the time because the guy from the LP, I knew him from the street. And I knew him back from the you know the club days when you some of the same people. And, you know, you're not supposed to become friends and stuff with, with the convicts, which – I submit to you that when you are working 12-hour shifts in um, two-on, two-off, three-on, two-off, two-on, three-off, but even on my days off, they were the Department of Corrections was always short, and they had an on-call list, and basically, you know, I could work 30 days a month. But I'm doing time just like they're doing time. I was doing time just like they were doing time. So when you – they locked those doors behind you on that 12 hour shift. You know, you can only shower them and, and feed them and have nurse call so much and shit it gets a little boring. And so, you know, I would stop and, and 
I did a couple of years back there, and I said did like like a convict, but it really was <laughs> like doing time. Did a couple of years back there, and and when you get locked up on the work at cell block, the once you get locked up, you have to do ninety days without a low court or a high court write up, and then you you go back before the board, and they basically hear your case as to whether or not you can be released to the general population. Well, the problem with that is, y'all, I mean, the working cell block is basically the worst of the worst because these are people that can't even follow the basic rules in prison, even the small rules. And the ones that, like I said, were back there for serious charges. Now, the white guy in the cell was back there for having or suspicion of having sex with a female guard. That's a no-no. But, I mean, it is what it is, right? <laughs> if you can get over and do what you do, that that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Now, uh, his celly was Clifford Etienne. And so I began to talk to him. Now, look, this is a massive dude. Now, I was 6'2", probably 250 at the time, and, and he's 6'2", 300 pounds. But he was all muscle. I mean, like – solid as a rock but he was a really cool dude and i say that i mean i know he robbed people and shit like that uh but i mean he could have been an asshole to me or anything else but i would hang out and and stand in front of the cell you know, late at night and shit but well i'm entertainment for them also and we were talking and i found out that etn was the boxer and he was actually on DCI's boxing team. Uh, um, but I also found out that he was an accomplished artist. And he's asked me when we're talking one night, he said, you know, you, you married, you dating someone. I said, I'm dating someone. He said, he, can you give me a picture of her? I'm like, bro, I'm not bringing you a picture of my girlfriend. <laughs> you know? He said, no, no, no. He, he said, I'm an artist. I'm going to draw a picture and you can give it to her. I'm like, all right. So the next time I came back to work, I had a little, got a little snapshot and I gave it to him, and the next evening I came back to work, and he had hand-sketched an exact likeness of this girl. And I can't remember her last name. I think her first name was Dodie. But the, and, I mean, it was just a fucking piece of artwork. And I was blown away. It's on a um, basic piece of paper done in pencil. I'm like, bro, you got talent, right? Um, so I didn't know that what I would come to find out later on and what we're going to talk about. But also, you know, I talked to him about boxing and because I like boxing, I like to box and both my grandfathers went to college for boxing, one at USL and one for LSU and they boxed on the, the college boxing teams. And so I asked him, I said, you know, you get into a fight, just one that bullshit. And I said, if you're going to hit somebody and, you know, he said, Woody, if you're going to hit somebody, I want you to hit them as hard as you can in the stomach. Don't let them know it's coming. You rear back, full body swing, hit them in the stomach. And I said, why is that? He said, because if you do it right, you're going to knock the air out of them. He said, then they're defenseless. He said, you can just beat them to a pulp. Yeah. Right. But the he would go on to become the boxing, inner prison boxing champion for the state of Louisiana. And the y'all, each prison has their own boxing team, and it's big shit. Yeah, and I'll tell you about. Uh, so there, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about 
his reputation in prison and a little bit about a trainer that had actually started working with him in prison. So there was a guy named Vlaris Cooper and Vlaris Cooper had a nickname. It was whoop and they called him whoop because of boxing. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. That's how he would say when you punch, it was a whoop. So everybody knew whoop in the prison system. He was a steward of the Louisiana uh, prison boxing scene. He was an inmate himself and whoop, he didn't have the pleasure of meeting NTN until after the boxer. He was already the most dominant prison fighter in Louisiana. So as what he said, these these different prisons have their own boxing teams. Angola has one. DCI has one. Uh, there's one in North Louisiana. Hunts. Uh, Hunts has one. So so this is a big deal in prison. Uh, these boxing teams and whoop was the guy who kind of managed that even as an inmate yeah, um and it basically helped him etm uh perfect his craft better absolutely yeah. he had heard about this guy this six foot two 290 pound fighter and he started working with ntn etn and uh you know from the first second he saw him, he could tell from his movement he had a ton of natural talent. He countered right. He stepped back right. He circled correctly. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Whoop would would describe him as a prison version of Muhammad Ali, y'all. That's, That's how good he yeah. was. Anybody describes you as Muhammad Ali, you're good. Uh, the prison version of Muhammad Ali from a guy who really knew that sport was amazing. So ETN continued to dominate in the prison world. He actually won 30 bouts, right. never lost. So, y'all, real quick, the the um, certainly they would practice amongst themselves at, at uh, you know, Dixon Correctional Institute, et cetera, and, but – the shadow these, box. Right, right. These, well, you locked in a cell, you got a lot of time to shadow box. <laughs> That's right. right. But when we, these bouts were talking about, they would actually go to other prisons or sometimes they would host it there and they would fight against other prisoners in the state. And at the end of the year, whoever had the most wins got the banner. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast 
long-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. That's right. And these these were big deals. Right. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, huge. family of these that's prisoners right. would go to the boxing right. matches and they would they would have to pay. They would have to buy right. tickets. Right. It was five dollars right. for adults, three dollars for children back then. Yeah. And you would watch as if you were watching a sanctioned event right. on HBO. And and even though they wore headgear, the um, the bouts were three three minute rounds. Yeah. Uh, um, but I would bet you, like people love to go see the radio because yeah. it makes them care about getting hurt and laying up in an infirmary in the air conditioner rather than a cell block. The I bet you. These guys got in there. I, I, I wish I, I would have got to see one and just just try to absolutely annihilate. I'm sure there was a lot of first round knockouts. Oh, headgear, sure. no sure. headgear. Yeah. Headgear uh, really doesn't mean shit. Yeah, no. It's not like you're wearing the NFL helmet. Yeah. Oh yeah, and these are these are you know some of these people lifers, y'all. I mean, they, right. look, they're in there and they're swinging, and and you've heard on real life, real crime, what he just yeah. described like prison muscle. Right. It's a totally different type of muscle, yeah, and all these right. guys had right. it. And he fought in the heavyweight and the super heavyweight divisions. Right. So he was fighting the baddest of the bad, yeah. the biggest of the big, and beating them, and beating them, uh, just never losing thirty bouts inside, and that gets around. So outside right. of the prison system. Uh, Don King and all these guys yeah, are hearing murders. about this Clifford Etienne and how how he is the toughest man in prison and right. winning winning all these bouts. And after his tenth year in prison, he gets paroled. Right, which is 
basically, y'all, I, I would tell you that that's because of the outside influences from these promoters. Um, and they were like, this guy can be heavyweight champion of the world. So they go in for the pro board. Look, we we got contracts. We're going to train him. We're going to keep him on the straight and narrow. He can be on parole if need be, but we need permission, you know, to get him, get his boxing's license and everything else. Well, and let me tell you how promoters think. So number one, you've got a extremely talented individual to start with. He's getting paroled from prison. Here's your chance. And and I would, I don't know this is fact, but I would imagine his success helped with his parole because in a parole board's mind, this guy can probably actually rehabilitate and change his life because he's going to have unique opportunities. Not everybody is going to have when they're released from prison. He was well known. Let me digress for a second. The reason he was on the working cell block, he got in a fight with a guard but a, a correctional officer named Woody Everett. No, no it wasn't me. <laughs> I wouldn't have fought that day. No. But the, um, so he got in a fight with a correctional officer. Now that when they went to the board here, and I remember him telling me this, that he had, he had already been on the boxing team. And so the board considered his hands, deadly weapons. So they charged him with, fighting with deadly weapons on a correction officer. Oh, and, wow. And, and so that's why he got sent to the, to the hole for that. Now he did his, his 90 days, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, maybe he went twice. I don't remember. Um, but he got out while I was still there. He, he was good. He was locked on the block. He was good. He was never any problems. He was actually a pretty cool dude. Yeah. Um, he got out, but you know why he got out too? He wanted to box again. Yeah. He, he was like, fuck that. I, I I'm going to behave. I, I know my future's in boxing. A new season calls for new meals, and HelloFresh has a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners and more to choose from. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle, from veggie to family-friendly to fit and wholesome. And when you get HelloFresh, you know you're getting top-notch produce since it travels from the farm to your door in less than seven days. Let's face it, podcasting crime takes time, and the time HelloFresh saves me by not having to stop at the grocery store is priceless. And those menus make cooking a breeze with easy-to-follow instructions so I can get back to podcasting. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50BloodyAngola and use code 50BloodyAngola for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That's HelloFresh.com 50 Bloody Angola and use code 50 Bloody Angola for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Head into Albertsons for great deals throughout the store. This week at Albertsons, get 18 counts of Lucerne Large Eggs for only $1.49 each with digital coupon and New York Strip Steaks for $4.99 per pound with digital coupon. Visit Albertsons.com or head in store for more deals. Yeah, he had he was just the shit, y'all, in in the Louisiana prison system, and really the national. He he was well known on, in prisons all over the country right. as probably the best boxer to ever come out of prison, right? You know, and you're talking about look, Sonny Liston came out of prison, that's right, that's right, and he was getting a lot of comparisons to Sonny Liston. So these promoters, they're not only salivating at the chance to get a hold to a guy who has an extreme amount of talent. He also had a hell of a story. story. 
That's right. And they loved that. And he had a nickname in prison, which was the Black Rhino. Wow. <laughs> Come on, y'all. If that don't scare yeah. you before you fight the six foot two, 290 right. pound boxer. Right. I don't know what does. And, and basically, he got that because the most dangerous animal in the world, the black rhinoceros or the black rhino, was the name that um, he embraced. And and like Jim said, these promoters, holy shit, now you got the black rhino prison coming out of prison. That's that's what sell tickets regardless. Yeah. Hey, look, it it is a you can't spin a better story right. with all of this so he he gets out and he turns pro in 1998 so that was that was 5 years after i left him or after the last time i saw him and so how does he do well his first four opponents he knocked them out right uh and as a matter of fact three of those first four it was inside of the first round right i mean he's cold cocking cold cocking people and uh ring magazine actually named him believe believe it or not y'all he was later named the most exciting heavyweight fighter of the 2000s that's true and and, and how about that he absolutely was destroying people you know i remember um late 80s, early 90s, when Tyson was coming up and this, when pay-per-view had first come out and we'd all put up 20 bucks and get a keg of beer and, like, he knocked out Spinks in, like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it was. Um, Black Rhino was doing the same thing. Yeah. And and there's no – these. a lot of the times when the big guys fight, they'll get tired and they'll hug on each other and stuff. Uh, The Black Rhino didn't have time to get tired. He was Mm -hmm. annihilating people like like Tyson did when he was young. Yes, and loving it. Uh, And what's he doing? He's living his best life, y'all. He's making tons of money. He's knocking people out for a living. Everybody's courting him, and he does what, uh, sadly, a lot of – seems like it's not just athletes, but it seems like they struggle with this because there's so much of an influx of money under such a short period of time and fame and fame and all of that, that he starts dabbling in cocaine, right? Line here, line there. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, you know, give me a little bit of that sugar, whatever he tell. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) In the beginning, you think you can handle it. It makes you feel even better, and you're on, already on top of the world. But remember, you came from a, a working cell block, yeah. right? I, I mean, first of all, you got out in 10 years instead of 40. Come from a working cell block, you build yourself up to the prison boxing system, and now you're building yourself up as one of the top heavyweights in the world. That's right, and he, he continues on. He continues knocking people out, and eventually he scoops up the IBA Continental Heavyweight title, and he actually won that title in Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. It was at the um, the Bell of Baton Rouge in the atrium, and I didn't get to go for whatever reason, but the I remember when it was – happening and the white guy from the cell reached out to me and said i can get you tickets you know do you want to come see him and i couldn't go for whatever reason but yep he won that there and even though that's not like the you know the biggest championship in the world is still a championship belt so that's right and uh continues on eventually he he suffers his first loss that was in march of 2001 and y'all it was one of the it was a 
speeding. He oh, actually man. got floored seven times knocked, in that back. Knocked down seven times in the, on the eighth. I think the referee finally stopped it, but it said it was a just basically like a bloodbath. Uh, the Black Rhino never gave up. No. You, know, you, get, you knock me down two times, I'm probably going to stay down. <laughs> yeah. Seven times. I mean, but he kept getting up and, and, and fighting back. That's and, it. And finally, the ref's like, mm, number eight, I got to yeah. stop this shit. Then he's going to kill him. Yeah, he went out on his shield and – and uh, never quit. And after that bout, you know, you may you may start to think, well, that was it. That was it. Well, no. Nope. ETN couldn't be stopped. He ended up fighting six more bouts after his loss and knocked everybody out. Right. Uh, and he was again, again, the talk of yeah. the boxing scene. And when you become that much of the talk yeah. of the boxing scene, eventually you're gonna run into somebody you gotta fight. But it's so when you were talking when he was talking the boxing scene, he basically, besides being the black rhino, they he was always compared to young Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. So uh they actually knew each other before the opportunity showed its face and, and always got along. You know, Tyson, if if you're a Tyson uh, fan, you would know that he grew up very rough. Right. He had he, he was very similar to ETN except for Cus D'Amato discovered Tyson before he had gotten so far out of hand that his whole life would have been spent in prison. So um, much younger when Tyson got discovered at 12 years old by Customato. But uh, ETN and Tyson had a respect for each other because they both came from the streets. They were both super tough, both amazing boxers. And in 2003, Memphis, Tennessee. That's it. Tyson come a-calling. Tyson came calling, and that was the first fight. If y'all remember this, that was the first fight that Tyson had the tribal tattoos on his face. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if Tyson wasn't scary enough, yeah. he comes out, and, I, and look, ETN, I'm sure, was intimidated. Right. Just like it, Tyson can intimidate anybody. I don't I care agree. how tough you are. Right. Yeah, and except except for Holyfield, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, he bit his ear off. Yeah, he yeah. did do that. Uh, so in 2003, Tyson, the pinnacle of boxing in an ETN fight, and Tyson beats the shit out of ETN in 48 seconds. Yeah, and now the same guy from the LP, I talked to him after that, uh, and he told me that what happened is one of the first punches that Tyson landed hit the black rhino on his eardrum and it busted his inner ear. So mm. ETN's equilibrium was off and he couldn't even defend himself. Yeah. Could you imagine how hard Tyson hits to, to bust, bust your, your freaking eardrum. inner eardrum? In one punch. Oh, and but God. that that he Ouch. said to ETN's credit, he tried to stand and do whatever shit you the room spinning and and I mean I can't even imagine that. So yeah. Tyson, he ain't gonna quit punching. Look, no, he ain't. <laughs> no, he ain't. And I'll remember, I will never forget the interview because I actually I can distinctly picture myself when I watched that live. Right. I actually watched that fight live. And after the broadcast, Jim Gray, who was a famous yep, yep. interviewer in boxing, pulls Tyson and he says, you know, what did you think of ETN and all that? And how did your training go? And Tyson says, 
uh, I broke my back last week. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I was right. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre, y'all. Yeah, that's crazy. But he supposedly broke his back but in training. You know that um, the reason they were fighting in Memphis, Tennessee, which was. And couldn't get licensed in Nevada or anywhere else yeah. because of um, the uh, rape allegations and all that. Yeah. So if you're if you're getting a little upset about eating because he lost and all that, don't cry for him too much. Right. Right. He made a million bucks. <laughs> Literally yeah. a million bucks in 48 seconds. Right. So he, he paid for 48 seconds. I think I can last for 48 seconds. He might have to hit me in the back of the head, but. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. 48 seconds, I'm going to give you a show. For a million dollars? For a million dollars. So I'd fight Tyson today for a million dollars. I'm telling you, yeah. ETN gets that million bucks, and he unfortunately does what a lot of people who get money that never had money do, and that is he blows it. He buys sports cars, jewelry, multiple houses, and he actually got into a couple of businesses that yeah. suffered. Yeah. He was in a busing company. It it went nowhere. He opened a restaurant, or he actually started a restaurant that never opened, yeah. and he did the cardinal sin in any business, which is didn't pay his taxes. Right. Oh, yeah, I don't care who you are. Tax Ask man. Al Capone about yeah, that. Tax man cometh, right? <laughs> tax man cometh. Uh, so he's spiraling downward. Yeah. And, and he's not surrounded by the best people either. Nah. Taking advantage of him. And uh, like I said, he never had so many cousins. Okay. So he's going along in life, ETN, and he's making a lot of bad decisions. And at some point, he decides it is a good idea to go get some money as he was spending all of his. Yeah. So he figures, yes. So he figures what better place to get money than a check cashing place, right? right? Genius idea. Genius idea. The only problem was he didn't have no checks. He didn't have a checkbook. He didn't have anything to cash. I'll tell you what he did have. He had a pistol. He had a pistol. And a cocaine habit. And, and, and a bag cocaine and he's habit. high as fuck, yeah. That's right. So uh, ETN goes to a check cashing place in Baton Rouge with a gun, and he pulls the weapon, and he decides he's going to hold up this check cashing place. And he gets a little, um, I guess you could say, a little pushback on that from the check cashing people. Right. And he takes a gun and he shoots it in the air and right. he says, I will kill you, bitch. Right. That's exactly what he said because they have it on recording right. because she was dialing 911 right. while this was going on. She, she was an African-American. African-American female. So eventually he gets in his hands $2,000 after he fires that thing in the air and he hauls ass out of there. Right. But unbeknownst to him – the silent alarm had been hit and Baton Rouge PD was responding in force and they met him in the parking lot. They did. And, and they were there really fast for a specific reason. And that was that same day, sadly, an officer in Baton Rouge named Terry Malonsaw, who was serving a warrant with some other officers in Baton Rouge, was tragically killed. Yeah, they they were making entry. We call it a high risk warrant. It was a narcotics warrant, and they were making entry in the door, and he was shot and killed. And, and uh, rest in peace, brother. I was on the SWAT team at the time that that happened, 
and they went. We went from uh, serving high risk warrants, narcotics. We used to do them every day, and, and without the SWAT team calling out the SWAT because it took so long. The policy got changed after that. Any high risk entry warrant, you had to use the SWAT team. Yeah, yeah. yeah so rest in peace, bro. Yeah. So it was really uh, just more bad timing for uh, ETN as this was going on. They were able to easily get there. So uh, before they got there, he's trying to make an escape. Well, you know what? I think he's so poor at this time. He goes to rob a check cash in place with a piece of shit pistol and he leaves and he's trying to make his getaway and he makes two attempts. That's right. So uh, an officer with the Baton Rouge uh, City Police Department who was in an Exxon station across the street from the cash store uh, received a report of an armed robbery in progress. Comes over comes over his radio, and, and the officer observed uh, one of the check cashing employees actually outside of the business at this point, and he could tell she was panicking. Uh, so at this point he goes across the street and he starts talking to her and he says, did you report an armed robbery? Uh, and she says, yes. Uh, a bunch of police officers at this time are pulling up. It becomes pandemonium. And so ETN, uh, escapes into a little wooded area. And when he comes out of that wooded area, he sees a vehicle, uh, and he just jumps in the vehicle. I guess he thought he was going to hotwire it or whatever. He didn't realize when he jumped in, there were two children in the back of that vehicle. He goes to start it, realizes, oh, shit, there's no keys. Uh, the lady had went, ran into the uh, beauty supply place and just left her kids in there while she, I guess she was quickly grabbing shampoo or something. So... He goes to steal that vehicle, realizes the keys aren't in it, and the cops are kind of on to him at this point. They're pursuing uh, him through the woods, and he's panicking. He's in a bind. and Still still armed. Still, yeah, still armed. Um, He immediately exits the vehicle, and he has his weapon in his hand, and he aims it at two police officers. Right. Not only does he aim it, he pulls the trigger, pulls the trigger and the gun jams click. So it's probably a piece of shit, uh, high tech nine millimeter or whatever. I mean, I'm sure if it was a expensive weapon, he could have traded it for Coke instead of trying to rob a cash store, but he pulled it and pulled it again. He panics again, obviously, because at this point, y'all ETN just tried to shoot two police officers, uh, and if it wasn't for that gun jamming, he would have shot them, possibly killed them. Uh, So he panics. He runs to a gold Pontiac Grand Am. He opens the door, and there's a driver in there. He puts the gun to the driver's head. He says, get out. Uh, The driver, he protests this. Why? Because his two young children are in the vehicle. Kitty daycare around there. That's it. So ETN pulls him out of the car physically, throws him to the ground, jumps in the car, and starts to drive away in reverse at a high rate of speed. He just basically goes backwards. Uh, He gets about 60 feet. The vehicle hits a curb, and it stalls. And officers approach the vehicle with the weapons drawn, 
and they apprehend Etienne. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how do you think that apprehension went? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. The, I mean, his weapons jammed and they, I'm sure it was what we call a felony stop. I'm sure Etienne ended up getting some. The black rhino ended up getting some dirt in his face. Oh, I, I can look, and then don't forget they are they are already dealing with that day a police officer getting right. shot, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and absolutely, killed. Absolutely, and he, you just tried to kill, and you just tried more. to kill two more. Right. Uh, if I'm a police officer, you're uh, getting a fist to the face. Yeah, well, you definitely. I mean, swim would would have punched him. Yeah, swim, <laughs> swim would have gave him some some justice that was just us. Uh, but he might have he might have sprung a leak too. But anyway, the y'all, you know, he he gets arrested, uh, armed robbery, two counts of attempted first degree murder on police officers. So God or somebody was taking care of him, letting that that and those officers letting that pistol jam. Um, he, he gets prosecuted y'all, by the East Baton Rouge DA's office, and the prosecutor was Prim Burns. Now, I don't think we've ever talked about her on Bloody Angola, but I know her. I've been in the courtroom with her. She is fire. All right. So they had their best prosecutor on it, uh, Hiller Moore's the best prosecutor. The the DA generally in, in bigger parishes the, is, is a political figurehead who um, oversees all the cases, but they have their top lieutenants or generals, whatever you want to call them, that handled the big cases. Prim Burns was, was the one. Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, mm-hmm. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Right. Boring stuff, right? Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different for Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers to do that, or she can do both. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audio book. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audio book is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family's a little bit different, and in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house. And when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen. So I chased you around the yard. And when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. 
The entire process with my life in a book is simple. And in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. And well known for, for the serial killing. Yeah, yeah, for Derek Tyler. Right. And the, uh, but it, as as well as every top case in, in East Baton Rouge. So um, she said that across 34 years, and 100 plus felony cases and even taking down meddling cartel members and serial killers that she, she recalls looking at ETN and thinking that dude's huge. Right. Uh, um, and she says she, she remembers the day he was sentenced. He said something to her, like, I'm so sorry. The drugs were just really bad for me. The, but Burns also remember the 911 call and the words ETN barked out never recorded on security footage says, I'm going to kill you. And she remembers using that against him in her open remarks. And she remembers the jury convicting the boxer quickly and easily. The later years later, um, the prosecutor picked apart ETN's process in the trial in the bar. And he's, you know, he said he received, insufficient representation and she was like mm, dude you could have Johnny Cochran and you weren't getting off on this charge and and the jury uh, possibly in prejudice she was like your victims were black the um, you're black you know that's not a racial issue right so but anyway he, he y'all he got sentenced to forever this time but she and he said but for luck he would have been on death row y'all he got 160 years. And guess where we was going? 
bloody Angola. <laughs> no doubt about it. And look, let's let's recap real quick. This is a guy that just a couple of years, as a matter of fact, a year before this, had just gotten a million dollars and had fought arguably the most uh, I would say the second most popular boxer of all time outside of Muhammad Ali, which right. was Mike Tyson. Right. Definitely the most popular uh, boxer in my area uh, yeah, right. my by far. Um, and now you just got sentenced to forever, as would he aptly put it, right. the rest of your life pretty much in Angola. And ETN actually in 2004 <laughs> – for whatever reason, applied for a pardon to Mike Foster, the, the then governor, which right. was denied, obviously. Right. Right. Um, I don't know if he thought his popularity might get him a pardon, but it wasn't working with Mike I, Foster. I think he was also trying to say stuff about traumatic brain injury and CT and all, right. that, all that other bullshit. Right. And and look, this the, here's why I don't buy that at all. And I, and I definitely think that brain injury – from boxing or pro football, absolutely it affects your decision making and all those sorts of things. But you were doing this at eighteen. I mean, you were yeah. robbing people at eighteen, right? Well, and this lawyer said he's entitled to a new sentencing because um, the CTE should be a major consideration. No, he says sorry, it's not his fault. The science wasn't there ahead of time, so he not do all this bullshit. So I'm not even gonna touch on that anymore. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Now, one thing we haven't mentioned to you is a unique, and when I tell y'all this is a unique and an absolutely god given talent, is his ability in the painting world. Yeah, art paintings. Well, I told Canvas. you, I told you about the drawing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was a um, a painter also, but I. He drew that picture of that girl for me. Yeah. So if you're a if you're a patron member of any sort, we're gonna put this on Patreon, and it's just some examples of his artwork. Oh, it is unbelievable, yeah. y'all. The uh, it, God definitely touched him and and gave him a talent with artwork. So we're gonna put that up there. And look, Woody mentioned this earlier, and I want to read this to y'all. Um, Woody had mentioned, hey, he was a nice guy. You know, and and it was was cool. Great personality, right? Cool dude. Um, I'm going to read you a letter that he wrote to a fan, and this is in 2019, so this is fairly recent. And I'm also going to put this up on Patreon. But he, uh, a fan had just wrote him and asked him for an autograph, basically, a boxing fan. And he said, Sorry I took so long getting back to you. Just rediscovered the letter you sent me at the end of May. And I always take time writing anyone back since they took time to write me. All letters are screened for contraband. And because of some drug heads attempts to smuggle contraband in here, the mailroom discarded the index card you sent me to sign. So I'm sending you this large piece of paper signed by me to answer your questions. I am still healthy and I look forward to a better future. I will get out of here. And he says that in all caps. I paint and I cut hair almost every day. Number three, I'm not in a cell. I'm in a dormitory with a bit over 100 guys. And I do watch TV sometimes, mostly news and sports. I have a TV in the barbershop where I work. Number four, my whole boxing career was an interesting story. Started writing a book about it, but I haven't finished. Number five. 
Fighting Mike Tyson was like fighting the other 30 fighters I fought. It was a job that that took care of my family. I never got into all the hype. And I met Tyson years before they even talked about us fighting each other. And number six, the most fun I had in boxing ring was every time the referee raised my hand as the winner after all that hard training. You take care of yourself, and I wish you and yours all the best. Clifford Etienne. Pretty cool. So reading that letter, that don't sound like a guy that tried to kill two police officers, rob Rob. a check cashing place. So when Woody mentioned that, you know, he seemed like a cool, nice guy. That reading that letter, that sounds like a guy that is out of prison right now, is living his best life. Just doesn't sound like that type of character, does it? But that cocaine shit does funny shit even to yeah. the best of people and will never take away the fact nose gold not only did he try to kill those two officers but who knows what would have happened to those kids in the car etc had he not wrecked it uh, installed it out but you know when he went back in the prison this time y'all it wasn't without incident I mean he had yeah. he had issues um, the I mean he survived an attack and he would start painting. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. He would start painting. And um, the last I had heard of him before we talked about this was I was watching something on the rodeo in about Angola Radio. Mm-hmm. And they had him selling his paintings. Uh, and they were street scenes in New Orleans. Yep. Now, you're not allowed to make money off your crimes, right? And he's not painting or trying to kill two cops. But he's painting like murals, not murals, but like oil paintings. Like yeah. shit would cost you $20,000 in a gallery. And it was fantastic. The one I saw was of a second line. And that's a funeral procession for those who aren't from Louisiana where they play the music and the jazz band does it and they go behind the coffin and all that. But he was very, very good at it. Yeah. And, and he's, his paintings are hanging, you know, all across the world. People commission him to do paintings, et cetera. But I mean, even when he was in the pain room one time, somebody tried to kill him. Yeah. Uh, um, so so bad, in fact, that he had to get transferred. Right. right. Um, and, and and I do want to mention on those paintings, uh, a lot of people may be surprised to know that one of his paintings hangs in the New Orleans Police Department. Right. I didn't. Uh, it, sure enough. Well, yeah. I found that somewhere. Only Jim Chaffin. <laughs> only Jim. I found Jim that somewhere. That uh, it's actually, and there's a, a picture online where they, the two New Orleans PD officers are posing in the, in the police department and his painting is hanging. And I, I guess to them, it's an example of convicts have talent too somewhere. And yeah, God touches us all, gives us all unique talents, and that was his. And it's just a shame, in addition to his boxing, which was also a unique talent. Yeah. And I'm going to regress for a second. When I said he attacked a, a correctional officer with his fist, I believe now, I'm thinking back on it, I think it was in the, just another inmate. But instead of being charged with a regular fist fight, which wouldn't send you to work in cell block, yeah. they charged him for fighting with weapons because his hands were considered deadly weapons. Yeah. He was such a renowned boxer. I believe it. Um, but y'all, you know, he would go on after that attack. Anyway, he talks about um, surviving COVID mm-hmm. when they put them all in the cells when everybody else in the world was trying to be separated. They were locking it down. He talks about that. But at some point after the attack, 
uh, another inmate, a friend of his, told him, say, hey, man, basically, you got to get your shit together. I mean, he'd let himself go. He'd gain weight. He was dressing sloppily. Uh, um, and ETN listened to him. So he started dressing better. He shaved his head bald. He started to exercise every day at 5 in the morning. Uh, and he, he said he stayed away from rats or dudes that would never amount to shit in their lives. And uh, that friend so he asked him, said, what do you need to start painting again? And ETN told him. He said, two weeks later, the supplies arrived like magic. Canvas boards, paints, and brushes. And the friend told ETN, you're the black rhino, the man who went from prison to pinnacle boxing. And eventually, ETN returned to the painting room. Hearing or no hearing, he had to move forward. Now, talking about his hearing, y'all, I told you his eardrum got busted uh, by, Mike Tyson. By, by Mike Tyson. And his equilibrium was still off and all that. But he, he to this day, paints. And I, Jim and I have been, you know, had several offers to attend the Angola Radio. And I said, that's the last fucking place you'll ever catch me on the face of this because <laughs> all the people <laughs> I put up there. But if I ever do go, I'm going to go see the black rhino. There you go. And I guarantee you he remembers to do it. We need to do that trip soon. And uh, that would make for a great, uh, that make for a great episode. And incidentally, uh, we do want to welcome Woody back last week. Of course, I flew solo for you patron members. I appreciate you doing that. So we did a bonus episode. It's only up on Patreon. So if you're curious to hear about it, it was called Iron Mike. Iron Mike. And it's about, uh, it's about a a guy that could fight in prison for sure, right. but it's a just an absolutely crazy story of a guy who killed three inmates inside of Angola, yes, yes. Uh, and just some some amazing uh, stuff there. But Woody was on a special assignment, which in the future we'll be able to tell everybody about. And I also recorded another episode that I'll be dropping as a bonus episode. It's a Boss Bitches Part Two. Uh, but I'm glad to have Woody back now because yeah. I have to uh, hey, freaking think all that myself, of all, brother. I appreciate it. But tell me about <laughs> Boss Bitches too. Yeah, so Boss Bitches too. Uh, of course, if you listen to the first one, we feature Martha Stewart, uh, M. Diddy for those right. <laughs> those and and a bunch of other uh, uh lady convicts. And this one, much of the same. It's for other lady convicts. And and look, you go, join Patreon and you'll find out who they are. Right. How about that? And so y'all go and check it out. Um, we have numerous bonus episodes. And, and Jim, I appreciate you covering me while I'm gone. Oh, no worries, the, man. Uh, uh, the bonus episodes are fire. And uh, as all, all bloody Angola, but the... Patreon, or di- we have different tier levels now. Um, each go look it up, and Jim can it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, and and I'm glad you mentioned it because I want to shout out. We're going to shout out. Uh, we've got over 130 members now. We're blessed to have that. They right. support us. We couldn't do this without right. them. So we're going to read out real quick each of our tie down and warden team members. Give them a little bit of a shout out, and just to tell you our real really fast or what our teams include. So the warden team is our top tier. Uh, You get ad free episodes, obviously early access to these episodes. You get full transcripts of all the bloody Angola Thursday, regular drops, any shows that we do that are live, you get automatic VIP access. Right. Uh, 
and and you get a free piece of Bloody Angola merch every quarter. So four That's times a year, like we're sending you something. And I know I've sent out a bunch of merch uh, lately to a bunch of people that are our Warden Team members. I appreciate y'all so yes, much. If you're a Warden Team member and you hadn't got uh, that first piece of, piece of merch, please just message hey, me and we'll get it to if you. If you're a Patreon member on any level and you know um, – and because it's it's a lot, y'all. But it, um, it's very important to us. If we miss something, we're human beings. Please, 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 message us. Yeah, check into it. Yes, and uh, so that's our warden team. Uh, we also have our tie down team, which they get ad free episodes, early access, full transcripts right. of those Thursday drops, and they also get our Sally Port companion episodes, like the boss bitches, boss bitches. that uh, that we're going to drop as a bonus for them. Um, so Woody is going to read our tie down teams and I'm going to read our warden teams today. All right. And the tie down team gets you that gets you the ad free episodes, the early access, the full transcripts and the Sally port companion episodes. Carol Hagen, you are a love. We want to appreciate you for being a tie down team member. I hope you're enjoying your benefits. We appreciate you so much. All right. And Kirsten Dahl. Now, Kirsten has been uh, a, a, a lifer forever, and she used to send me pickles and all kinds of stuff, Jim. That, there you um, go. But thank you, Kirsten, f- for supporting Bloody Angola. Also, we really, really love and appreciate you. You're awesome. And Lisa Stevens, well, I know who you are, and thank <laughs> you for being a tie down team member. And we love and appreciate you so much. And Tina Johnson. Tina, thank you for being a tie-down team member. You rock. You kick ass. And we appreciate you. We couldn't do it without you. And Miss Julie Easterday. Julie, thank you so much for being a tie-down team member. Enjoy those benefits, sweetie. All right, and we also want to thank our warden team members. Our warden team is our top tier. You just can't get any more than what we give those warden team members. They are our highest support. We love and and we look. If you can't even be a patron member, we still love you and appreciate you. Absolutely, but uh, we really, really appreciate the support of all our patron team, especially our warden team members. Yeah, and especially in these hard times when when eggs are nine dollars a dozen, and you (laughs) you take the time to subscribe, we're going to hook you up. That's right. So, Melissa Jewell, thank you you. so much for being a warden team member, Miss Christine Spence. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so very much for being a Warden Team member. And how about Miss Amber Morrow? Miss Amber, thank you. We love you and appreciate you. 100% Miss Lisa Marks. Miss Lisa Marks, you, we don't even have a term for you, but we love you. You know we love you. Double Warden Team member. (laughs) Yeah. She's just amazing. Thank you so much. Love you. Uh, Mandy Oliver. Mandy Oliver. Miss Mandy. Thank you so much. She's awesome. Leah. I'll take Yes. Kafiria. A part-time researcher, full-time crime junkie. And Hellraiser. (laughs) You don't want to mess with Leah. Leah, thank you so much. That's right. So that's our warden team. And uh, we really appreciate the support of all of those uh, members. We're going to be shouting out as many as we can every week here going forward. Thank you so much, and 
Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. Your host of Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. (laughs) Bloody Angola is an Envision podcast production in partnership with Workhouse Connect. Music produced and composed by Alfie DeRuin in Studio 433 with vocals by Thomas Kane. Created and hosted by Jim Chapman and Woody Overton. I walk a straight line Shackle and chain Oh, Goose and Gertie Is calling my name There is no mercy In this penitentiary Just ask the Hill String Gang Wrangle the three